The Writings of Isaac Pennington, Volume 2, Chapter 6, An Exhortation to True Christianity. We are a people of God's gathering who, many of us, had long waited for his appearance and had undergone great distress for lack thereof. Question. But some ask, what appearance of the great God and Savior did you lack? Answer. We lacked the presence and power of His Spirit to be inwardly manifested in our spirits. We had, as I may say, what we would gather from the letter and endeavor to practice what we would read in the letter, but we lacked the power from on high. We lacked life. We lacked the presence and fellowship of our Beloved. We lacked the knowledge of the heavenly seed and kingdom and an entrance into it, and the holy dominion and reign of the Lord of life over the flesh, sin, and death in us. Question. How did God appear to you? Answer. The Son of Righteousness did arise in us. The day spring from on high, the morning star did visit us, insomuch that we did really see and feel the light and brightness of the inward day in our spirits, as ever we had felt the darkness of the inward night. Question. How did God gather you? Answer. By the voice of His Son, by the arm of His Son, by the virtue of His Son's light and life, inwardly revealed and working in our hearts. This loosed us inwardly, from the darkness, from the bonds of sin and iniquity, from the power of the captor and destroyer, and turned our minds inwardly towards our Lord and Savior, to mind His inward appearance, His inward shinings, His inward quickenings, all of which were fresh from God and full of virtue. And as we came to be sensible of them, join to them, receive and give up to them, we came thereby to partake of their virtue and to witness the rescuing and redeeming of our souls, so that by hearing the Son's voice and following Him, we found Him to be the way to the Father, and we came to be gathered home by Him to the Father's house, where there is bread enough and places of rest and peace for all the children of the Most High. Now, with respect to the blessed seed of truth, which we have had experience of and testify to. For how could we conceal so rich a treasure and still be faithful to God? It is no new thing in itself, though of late it is more clearly revealed, and the minds of men are more clearly directed and guided to it than in former ages. It is no other than that which Christ himself abundantly preached, who preached the kingdom, who preached the truth which makes free using many parables and resemblances. Sometimes he spoke of a little seed, sometimes of a pearl or hidden treasure, sometimes of a leaven or salt, sometimes of a lost piece of silver, etc. Now what is all this, and where is it to be found? What is this which is like a little seed, or a pearl, and where is it to be found? What is the field? Is it not the world, and is not the world set in man's heart? What is the house which is to be swept, and the candle lighted in? 
Is it not the house or heart where the many enemies are? A man's enemies, says Christ, are those of his own house. Indeed, the testimony concerning all this was precious to us, but finding and experiencing the thing testified of was much more precious. And this we say in perfect truth of heart and in most tender love to the souls of people, that whoever tries shall find this little thing, this little seed of the kingdom, to be a kingdom, to be a pearl, to be heavenly treasure, to be the leaven of life, leavening the heart with life, and with the most precious oil and ointment of healing and salvation. So we testify to no new thing, but to the truth and grace which was from the beginning, which was always in Christ Jesus our Lord and Savior, and was dispensed by him in all ages and generations. For it was he who quickened, renewed, and changed the heart of the true believers in his inward and spiritual appearance, and thereby destroyed the enemies of their own house and saved them from them. For indeed there is no saving the creature without destroying that in the creature which brings spiritual death and destruction upon it. Israel of old was saved by the destroying of their outward enemies. And Israel now, the new Israel, the inward Israel, is saved by the destruction of their inward enemies. Oh, that people could come out of their own wisdom and wait for God's wisdom, that in it they might come to see the glory, the excellency, the exceedingly rich virtue and treasure of life that are wrapped up in this seed of life. Then they would receive it, give up to it, and come to partake of it. And with respect to doctrines, we have no new doctrines to hold forth. The doctrines held forth in the Holy Scriptures are the doctrines that we believe. And this does further seal to us our belief in the seed, because we find it to be the key by which God opens the Scriptures to us and gives us the living sense and evidence of them in our hearts. We can see and have felt to whom the curse and wrath belong, and also to whom the love, mercy, peace, blessings, and precious promises belong. And we have been led by God's Holy Spirit and power through the judgments to the mercy and to the partaking of the precious promises. So then, why would we publish any new faith or any new doctrines? Indeed, we have none to publish, but our only aim is to bring men to the ancient seed of truth and to the right understanding and practice of the ancient apostolic doctrine and holy faith once delivered to the saints. Head notions cause only disputes, but heart knowledge, heart experience, real sense of the living power of God inwardly and evidence and demonstration of His Spirit in the inward parts this puts an end to disputes and sets men upon the inward travel and exercise of spirit by that which is new and living. Now, many are offended at us because we do not preach more doctrinal points or touch more upon the history of Christ with regard to his death, resurrection, ascension, etc. For indeed, our declaration and testimony is chiefly concerning a seed and our desire is to direct and guide men's minds thereto. Therefore, in order to give a plain account of this thing, as it pleases the Lord to open my heart at this time in love and goodwill, and to satisfy and remove prejudices 
wherever they may be. This I will say in brief. First, that which God has given us the experience of, after our great loss in the literal knowledge of things, and that which he has given us to testify of is the mystery, the hidden life, the inward and spiritual appearance of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, revealing his power inwardly, destroying enemies inwardly, and doing his work inwardly in the heart. Oh, this was a joyful sound to our souls. Even the tidings of the arising of that inward life and power which could do this. Now this spiritual appearance of his was after his appearance in the flesh, and is the standing and lasting dispensation of the gospel, even the appearance of Christ in his spirit and power inwardly in the hearts of his. So that in minding this, and being faithful in this respect, we mind our distinct work and are faithful in that which God has distinctly called us to and required of us. Secondly, there is not as great a need of publishing the other as there formerly was. The historical relation concerning Christ is generally believed and received by all sorts that profess Christianity. His death, his miracles, his rising, his ascending, his interceding, etc., are generally believed by all people. But the mystery they miss, the hidden life, they are not acquainted with, and they are alienated from the life of God in the midst of their literal accepting and acknowledging of these things. Thirdly, the knowledge of these, doctrine, history, etc., without the knowledge of the mystery, is not sufficient to bring them to God. For many set up what they gather and comprehend from a relation concerning the thing instead of the thing itself, and so they never come to the sense of their true need or how to rightly seek after it. And so many are builders, and many are built up very high in religion, in a way of notion and practice, but they are without acquaintance with the rock of ages, without the true knowledge and understanding of the foundation and cornerstone. My meaning is, they have a notion of Christ to be the rock, a notion of him to be the foundation stone, but they never come livingly to feel him to be the rock, to experience him as the foundation stone inwardly laid in their hearts, and to know themselves made living stones in him and built upon him. Where is this to be felt but within? And they that feel this within... Do they not feel Christ within? And can any that feel him within deny him to be the strength of life and the hope of glory? Well, it is true once again, spiritually now as well as literal then, that the stone which the builders refused, Christ within, whom the builders of this age refuse, is become the chief cornerstone. It is he who knits together his sanctified body, his living body, the church, in this our day, more gloriously than in former ages and generations, blessed be the name of our God. Fourthly, the mystery, the hidden life, the appearance of Christ in spirit, comprehends the outward knowledge, so that it is not lost or denied, but rather found, discerned, and acknowledged more clearly and abundantly. For the inward was to be after the outward, and so comprehends that which went before it. Paul did not lose anything of the excellent knowledge of Christ when he said, 
Therefore, from now on, we know no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. If he did not know Christ after the flesh, how did he know him? Why, as the Father inwardly revealed him. He knew him in his spirit and power. He knew his death inwardly. He knew his resurrection inwardly. He knew the spirit, virtue, and power of it inwardly. He knew the thing in the mystery of his own heart. O oh, precious knowledge! O oh, the excellency of this knowledge of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ! What is the most exact, literal, outward knowledge without this? What then? Do I now deny or slight the outward? No, but I have it here in the inward. For by the inward life and teachings of God's Spirit, I am taught and made able to value that glorious outward appearance and manifestation of the life and power of God in that heavenly flesh, as in my heart I have often called it, for the life so dwelt in it that it was even one with it. Yet still it was a veil, and the mystery was behind it, and the eye of life looks through the veil into the mystery and passes through it, as I may say, that it may behold its glory in the inward. The Way of Peace Romans 3.17 The way of peace they have not known. There is a way of peace, of true peace with God, who is an adversary to all that is unholy and unrighteous. Those who have been unholy and unrighteous, who have been awakened, troubled, and could find no rest, but found rather the severe and righteous judgments and wrath of the Lord lying upon their spirits night and day, having at length had their ears opened by him, and being led by him out of the unholy and unrighteous way, into the holy and righteous way, have found both life and peace therein. Now, there are two sorts of people, or two states, which the apostle here mentions, who have not known, nor can know, the way of peace with God. For the Lord is an adversary to them both, and will one day speak trouble to them both, when their souls and consciences come to be searched and judged by him. The one state is the profane, or the Gentile state, which is without the sense of God, not heeding any appearance of his, or any inward voice of his spirit, or the writing of his law upon their heart. These never knew the way in which the heart is inwardly and spiritually circumcised and renewed, sin forgiven and peace obtained. The other is the professing or outward Jew's state, who may study the letter and apply themselves to conform outwardly to the letter, but are not acquainted with the inward spirit and power. These greatly differ from the Gentile or profane state, both in outward appearance and in their own estimation but they are on the same ground with the Gentiles and know no more of the way of peace than the other does. Question. But what is the way of peace, which neither the profane nor any sort of professors outside of the life and power ever knew or can know? Answer. It is an inward way, a way for the inward Jews, for the inwardly renewed and circumcised to walk in. It is a holy or sanctified way for the sanctified ones to walk in. It is a living way, which none but the living can find. 
It is a new way, which none but those to whom God has given the new eye can see. It is a way that God prepares and sets up and leads men's spirits into who hearken unto him, and in which he guides the feet of his saints. It is a straight and narrow way, which no lust of the flesh nor wisdom of the flesh can find out or enter into. Oh, how little, how low, how poor, how empty, how naked must he be that enters into this way and walks therein. Many may seek after it, and may think to find it and walk in it, but few shall be able, even as our Lord has said. Here the outward circumcision avails nothing and lack of that circumcision does not hinder. Here bodily exercise profits little. Here there is a new creature, and the cross of Christ is all. The power of God is all, and he that walks according to this rule, peace is upon him and upon the whole Israel of God. But he that does not know this rule, nor walk according to this rule, peace is not upon him. Nor is he one of the inward Israel of God, who receive power to become sons, who receive the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which is the inward rule of the inward Israel. This was the way of peace from the beginning. This is the way of peace still, and there is not another. To be new created in Christ Jesus, to be engrafted into him, to abide in him, to have the circumcision of the flesh, the body of the sins of the flesh cut off by the circumcision of Christ, made inwardly in the heart without hands, and to walk not after the flesh but after the Spirit, even in the newness of the Spirit. Here is life and peace, rest and joy forevermore. May the Lord in his tender mercy give men a sense of it and lead men into more and more. Amen. The Conclusion of the Whole there is a birth which is born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. John 1.13 And this birth, which is born of the Spirit, is Spirit. John 3.6 Now this birth, which is born of the Spirit and is Spirit, has a life and a way of knowledge suitable to its nature and being, which is very far above man. Its life is in the Spirit, and its walking is in the Spirit, and its knowledge is after the way of the Spirit, very far above man's way of conceiving or comprehending. The birth itself is a mystery to man, and its way of knowing is a way altogether hidden from man. For this knowing is the evidence and demonstration of God's Spirit by the shining of His light in the heart. In your light shall we see light. The true birth knows what this means. Now, there is a wise and prudent part in man from which God hides the sight of his kingdom and the heavenly glory thereof. But there is also a babe to whom God reveals his mysteries. Flesh and blood cannot reveal, but the father can and does to his children, for he is the teacher of them all, from the least to the greatest, in the new and living covenant. There is a man's day, and there is God's day. There is a man's day of gathering knowledge according to his fleshly manner of comprehending, 
and there is God's day of giving knowledge by the shinings of the light of his own eternal spirit. In man's day, how does wise and prudent man beat his brains and labor in the fire for mere vanity? But in God's day, how does the knowledge of the Lord cover the earth even as the waters cover the sea? When the day spring from on high visits inwardly, when the Lord lights the candle inwardly, oh, how clear is the knowledge of the Lord, and how does it then abound? Oh, what a difference there is between man's apprehensions and conceivings concerning Christ and God's revealing him inwardly. What a difference there is between man's coming to Christ according to his own apprehensions and his coming to Christ in the heavenly drawings and teachings of the Father. John 6.45 Oh, that the birth of life were felt in men's hearts, that in it men might know the day of God and the kingdom of God and the treasures of wisdom which are hid in Christ and will ever be so except as Christ is inwardly revealed and formed in the heart. Many may have notions of Christ being formed in them, but oh, to feel it inwardly. There is the sweetness, the assurance, the life, the peace, the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ, and there is the joy of the true Christian forever. Come now, all sorts of tender professors, come out of yourselves, and into God's Spirit, into God's truth, that you may know what it is to be in the Spirit and in the truth, and what it is to live there, and to know things there, and to worship there, and to have fellowship with the Father and Son there. It is the poor who receive the gospel, the poor who receive the kingdom, the poor receive the power, the poor receive the righteousness and salvation of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are too rich in your comprehensions and gathered knowledge from your own literal concepts to learn to wait aright, to receive of him his gold, his raiment, and his eyesav. What pleasure is it to us to testify against you? Were it not for obedience to our God and love to your souls, we would never do it. We are content and satisfied to be of the little despised flock which the shepherd feeds giving to everyone his proportion of daily nourishment, life, peace, righteousness, and joy. It is our love to you that we would not have you lay out your money for that which is not bread, and your labor for that which will not satisfy the truly hungry and awakened soul. We desire that you might come to feed on substance, on the life itself, on the sweetness and fatness of God's house, where nothing that any of his children can need or long after is lacking. Oh, that you had the sense of our love. If you had the true understanding and sense of God's love, you could not help but have a sense of our love also, for it comes from him, and it flows towards you and his will and tender movings. Do you love God? Are your hearts circumcised to love God? If not, you do not truly love. And if you loved him that begets, you would love them that are begotten by him. Your love is to your own notions and apprehensions of God, not to his nature. For if you loved his nature, that holy heavenly spiritual nature as it is in him, you could not help but love it in his children also. Well, our God is love, 
and he has taught us to love even our enemies, and to wrestle with our God for them, that if it be possible, the Lord may remove the scales from their eyes and give them repentance to the acknowledgement of the truth as it is in Jesus. Here they will know truth to be living and powerful, more effectual and operative, inwardly purifying, sanctifying, yes, and justifying also, than any can know except those only that are born of God and kept alive by Him. The Doings and Sufferings of the Despised People Called Quakers First, their doings are looked upon by many to be from a natural principle and according to the covenant of works, and not from the free grace and gift of God's Spirit. Now concerning this I can speak somewhat faithfully, as having been long experienced in the principle, and as having had experience of the grace and tender mercy of the Lord from my childhood. Indeed, it has been this way with me from my childhood, that whatever has been done in me, or by me, that was good, I have felt it to be from God's grace and mercy to me, and I have cried, Grace, grace, mercy, mercy, to the Lord continually for it. And then, when I was turned to His truth in the inward parts, I found it was God's grace and tender love both to turn me and to keep me turned, causing truth to spring in me day by day and give me ability through it. But oh, none knows, besides those who have had experience, how we have been weakened in the natural part, how poor we have been made, that we might receive the gospel. Oh, how poor in ourselves we are kept, that we might enjoy the riches and inheritance of the kingdom. And this we daily experience, that it is not by the works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy that He saved us and does daily save us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Spirit. Yes, it is God who has written His law in our hearts and placed His fear there and put His Spirit within us to enlighten and quicken and cause us to walk in His ways and to keep His statutes and judgments and to do them. And all the mortifying of sin and the denying of the lusts of the flesh and performing that which is holy and acceptable in the eyes of the Lord, as all that proceeds from His own Spirit is, all this is of the new covenant and performed by the working thereof. It is not by the working of the natural part in itself, but by the working of the spirit of life in the new birth, and only through the natural part as his instrument. So let none reproach the works that God brings forth in us, who has created us anew in Christ Jesus unto good works, lest thereby he reproach the Holy Spirit and power of the living God in which they are wrought and by which they are brought forth. Then, as for our sufferings, indeed, they are gifts we receive from God, so that we can truly say it is given us by the Lord our God not only to believe in His Son, but to suffer for His sake. And it is only in good conscience to God and by the assistance of the Lord that we suffer, so that the patience and meekness with which we suffer is not of ourselves, but of Him. Whenever the Lord permits afflictions or sufferings to come upon us, our eye is unto him, and we enter into them in his fear, knowing our own inability to go through them and looking up to him for strength. And when we are in them, while they continue, 
We daily look up to Him for strength and have been, many times, very weak in ourselves, when immediately, or very soon after, we have felt great strength in the Lord. Also, after our sufferings, when the Lord has been with us all along and brought us through our sufferings in the peace and joy of His Spirit, we do not look back boastingly as if we had been anything or done anything of ourselves. Rather, we bow before the Lord and bless the Lord in consideration of how He has been with us and how He has upheld us by the right hand of His righteousness. Therefore, let none reproach, misrepresent, or vilify our sufferings, which our God has helped us through, and for which we, in humility of heart, give Him thanks. For we cannot help but do so all our days, because the thankful remembrance and sense of them is written by the finger of His Spirit upon our hearts. Oh, all sorts of people, whom we love and travail for, know the inward appearance and visits of the Shepherd and Savior of the soul. Turn to Him, looking in true faith unto Him, and be saved. I say unto you, in tenderness of spirit, O oh, do not repay us so wrongly for our love and truth of heart towards you. Truly, our love is from the God of love. We could not so love you as we do if our God had not taught us, nor could we seek after you as we do, in tenderness of heart, if we were not instruments in the hand of the Shepherd of Israel. And the light we testify of, which we feel shine in us, is no less than the true, sure light of the Son of Righteousness, which God has caused to shine in our hearts, who also loves mankind and causes it to shine into the darkest corners of the earth. And the life by which we are quickened and raised out of sin and transgression, and the power we have received to become sons of God, it is from Him who is the fountain of life and has all power in heaven and earth. Oh, that you could receive the blessed report. Oh, that the arm of the Lord might be revealed in you. Oh, that you could feel and witness the Savior working out your salvation in you, binding the strong man in you, casting him out of you together with all his goods. And oh, that the place of the wicked one might no more be found in you, nor any of his lusts or vain thoughts be lodged in your hearts, but you might witness and experience the new heart, the clean heart, the pure heart, in which God dwells, and the eye that sees him who is invisible. An Exhortation to True Christianity It is easy to profess Christ, but to be a true Christian is very precious, and many tribulations and deep afflictions are to be passed through before it is attained. Now, everlasting happiness and salvation depends upon true Christianity. It does not depend upon having the name of a Christian only, or professing such and such Christian doctrines, but upon having the nature of Christianity, upon being renewed by the Spirit of Christ, receiving the Spirit, walking in the Spirit, and bringing forth the fruits of the Spirit. Oh, here is the Christian indeed! and it should be everyone's care not to fall short of this. Now, because there is a contention about Christianity as to who is the right Christian, it behooves every man to take care concerning himself to receive from God and to be made by him that which none but a true Christian can be. 
And having had some experience of this thing, and understanding what the Christian state is, and what accompanies it, I will set down the following things which the true Christian inwardly knows, witnesses, and enjoys. First, he that is a new creature is without doubt a true Christian. He that is regenerated, is renewed in the spirit of his mind by Jesus Christ, is newly created in the holy and heavenly image, has felt the power of God's Spirit begetting him anew, forming him anew, out of the old nature and image of the first Adam, into the nature and image of the second Adam, who is the life-giving Spirit. This one is a Christian indeed. Secondly, he that is in the new covenant is a true Christian. He that has thirsted after the living waters has heard the call of the waters of life, has heard the voice of him who gives life, and has received life from him, taking up his cross to follow him. Such a man is without doubt one of Christ's sheep, whom the shepherd owns and cares for. Thirdly, he that is inwardly circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, he is an inward Jew, an inward Christian in the sight of God. This one has felt the spirit and power of the Lord and rejoices in Christ Jesus and is one of those worshipers whom God has sought out and has taught to worship him in the life and spirit of his Son. Fourthly, he that is inwardly washed with clean water, with the inward water, he is the inward Jew, the inward Christian. God promised to pour out clean water upon his Israel and they should be clean. He who has the clean water inwardly poured upon him, which inwardly washes and cleanses, he is without controversy one of God's inward Israel. Fifthly, he that feeds on the bread of life within and drinks the water of life out of his own well or cistern, he is without doubt living. He that is invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb and comes and sups with the Lamb, he is one of the same nature and spirit with him. He with whom Christ sups, who has heard Christ knocking at his door, has opened to him and received him in to purify his heart and to dwell in him and sup with him, so that he eats bread in the kingdom and drinks wine in the kingdom and partakes of the feast of fat things which God makes for his Israel in his holy mountain. This one is without doubt one of Christ's and partakes of all this in and through him. Sixthly, he that lives the Christian life, who walks not after the flesh but after the Spirit, who does not fulfill the lusts of the flesh, but has the law of God written in his heart, and his fear put within him, is indeed a Christian. He who has been given the Holy Spirit to instruct him and guide him, to answer the holy law written in his heart, which the carnal mind is not subject to, nor can be subject to. Without a doubt, such a one is spiritual. He is a true Christian. Seventhly, he that lives by faith, who knows the faith which is the gift of God, has received it and lives by it. This one is a true Christian. Such a man can do nothing of himself, but only by faith in that holy power which does all in him, so that he lives and believes and obeys from the holy root of life, which causes life to spring up in him 
and love to spring up in him, and the Lamb's meekness and patience to spring up in him, and all grace to spring up in him. The man that lives in this way is without a doubt engrafted into the true vine, into the true olive tree. The true root supports him and ministers sap unto him, and he is a true, fresh, green, living branch of the true vine, of the holy olive tree. Many more things might be mentioned, as they are experientially known and felt among those who are true Christians, but these are mentioned to give a taste. He that knows and feels these things may also know and feel the rest. He that does not know or feel these would not know or feel the rest, even if ever so many more should be mentioned. Now, the way to feel these, and to become a true Christian, and to grow up in the Christian life, is to feel the seed of the kingdom, which is the beginning of the kingdom, the beginning of true Christianity, and then to feel the seed abiding. Here is the constant seal of Christianity in my heart. Here are true and certain evidences, day by day, of the Christian nature and spirit manifesting themselves inwardly and undeniably. And now, having the witness in myself, testifying to his own work and to his own birth, of what value are any testimonies of men against this? Christianity is a mystery, and the true Christian is he who has the inward eye opened, and with that inward eye is taught of God to pierce into that wherein Christianity consists. There have been many Christians of men's making, and others who are of God's and Christ's making. Oh, let men have a care that when God comes to distinguish between cattle and cattle, between Christian and Christian, they are found to be such as God will own as the sheep of his fold. Oh, that we be made able to bear the trial of his searching judgment, his pure, impartial eye, and not such as are still found to be workers of iniquity, not created anew in Christ Jesus unto good works, and therefore not truly of him.